0: Welcome to another episode of the Zach Hiley Show. Today, I have the honor of being with Dr. Goldberg. So, Dr. Goldberg, I'll read over your bio, we'll go over some stats, and then we'll let you talk. Okay, ready, here we go. So, Dr. Goldberg is originally from Wilmington, Delaware, where she was valedictorian at Concord High School. She went to UPenn, where she majored in the biological basis of behavior, graduated magna cum laude, and was judged to have the best honors thesis in her major, and was elected to Phi Beta Kappa. She went to Albert Einstein College of Medicine for her MD degree and was elected to Alpha Omega Alpha. She was a surgery resident here at Jefferson for many years, but changed careers to pathology. We're definitely getting into that, okay? She is currently a cytopathologist and gynecologic surgical pathologist. She is also the doting mother to amazing twins and loving wife to her historian husband. Her research focuses on graduate medical education and laboratory quality and safety. In her spare time, she loves to ski, row, and watch her kids do karate and play baseball. Thank you so much for coming, Dr. Goldberg.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So the way we start is we'll go over some statistics around pathology, and then you tell me if any stand out to you or any are interesting to you. Okay, so the median salary for an academic physician is 339000 with pathology being median of 304000 Average hours is 51 across America, MDs, uh, with 45 hours being for pathology. 59% of physicians across America are happy compared to 62% of pathologists. 47% burnout on average compared to 35% of pathologists who one-third for the third least amount of burnout among physician specialties. When asked, would you choose the same career, 41% of physicians across America said they would choose the same career, while 46% of pathologists said they would choose the same career again. Step 2 average score was 246, with 239 being the pathologist average Step 2 score. Anything stand out to you? Anything interesting? Anything you want to comment on? Um, I mean, I would
1: say, first of all, I think these statistics sort of make sense. Okay. They're, they're pretty much what I would expect. Um, I think... Uh, I'm not shocked to hear that we make overall less Mm -hmm. than certain specialties. Although I think, um, uh, thinking about our hourly wage, it's probably just as good, Mm -hmm. if not better, than even some of those really high-powered financially uh, areas. Um, You know, and I think beyond the hourly wage is the control over our time. Um, And, you know, this is the pathologist ex-surgeon hat on, but right, I— I have plenty of work to do, but I have a fair bit of control over when I do it. There are obviously certain important timeframes. Turnaround time for testing is important. But if I put my kids to bed and then come back and look at slides, doesn't affect anybody. Obviously, you can't do mm-hmm. that in the operating room. Yeah. Um, so I think in terms of uh, value for your time, we're probably getting a better bang for our buck. So not surprised to hear that. And I think that that leads to more happiness, less burnout, you know, a desire to choose the career again.
0: So tell me, what is pathology?
1: Okay, so definitionally, right, it's the study of disease. Yes. Um, So very broadly speaking, pathologists are usually the ones running the laboratories in hospitals, and we're going to give results, diagnoses, based on specimens removed from patients. Um, We also run blood banks, um, both out of hospitals and within hospitals. Um, Forensic pathologists, like medical examiners, that's us too. Um, And, you know, many pathologists will wear multiple hats, run multiple, be in charge of multiple aspects of the lab, or specify in just one small area. Got it,
0: got it. What are some places you could subspecialize in?
1: Yeah, so um, most folks who do residency uh, become double-boarded at the end in anatomic and clinical pathology. That's me. Mm -hmm. Um, That's most pathologists by far, and that's four years gets you two board certifications. Got it most folks then go on to do at least one year fellowship. I I think it's very, very rare not to. And there's um, both fellowships that will give you board certification. I brought the list in case anyone's (laughs) listening. So blood banking, also called transfusion medicine, chemistry, Clinical informatics, cytopathology, which is what I did, uh, dermatopathology, forensic pathology, hematopathology, medical microbiology, molecular genetic pathology, neuropathology, and pediatric pathology. Wow. So, those are all extra board uh-huh. certifications. But a lot of pathologists actually do a fifth year that won't get you another set of boards, but gets you either increased expertise or exposure, probably with some confidence boosting. Uh-huh. And that's usually in surgical pathology or one of its organ based subfields. And this
0: is a fellowship. Correct. And why do pathologists, you said it most do a fellowship. Yeah. Why do you most do a fellowship?
1: Well, so historically, the pathology residency used to be five years where that fifth year was very focused. Got
0: it. Okay. Um, And
1: then I think to improve flexibility, um, that changed to sort of almost a four plus one model where that plus one is assumed. Mm -hmm. I don't know anybody who practices without that fifth year. But in theory, I mean, absolutely, not in theory, in actuality, you can sit for your AP and CP boards after those four years yeah. of training. And you could go out and practice. Um, it, I think it could be tricky to get a job, at least in academic medicine. Yeah,
0: yeah. And this is a, a, a silly question, but it's one that just popped into my head. Because when I picture a pathologist, I'm trying to think of the my image of a pathologist in the first year of med school when I didn't actually know what they did. Sure. And I pictured you guys, you know, always in front of a microscope or in front of a computer, just kind of like looking at things, writing things, looking at things, writing things. But do you guys have ex- encounters or exposure to patients?
1: Right. So that that image of sitting at the scope in the yeah. computer is a hundred percent correct yeah. for certain types of pathologists. Yeah. Right. So that's what my day uh-huh. mostly looks like. Yeah. Um However, for folks like transfusion medicine, they spend most of their day looking much more like you'd think of a, a clinician, yeah. right? They're, they're um, meeting patients who need therapeutic phlebotomy. They're meeting patients who need red cell exchange or phoresis, you know, either um, for sickle cell disease. Uh, a range of things. Interact with the patient, decide if the treatment they can offer is appropriate, be in charge of that treatment. Obviously, um, they have support staff that actually run the machines, Uh but if the machine (laughs) isn't working correctly, they're going to call the pathologist to make the machine work better. Um, So, you know, that's a way in which you're a pathologist and they run the blood bank. So obviously that's very lab-based, high yeah. immunology, molecular medicine. But um, they spend a lot of their time with patients and interacting with other clinicians to, to you know, get the right treatment for patients. Yeah. Um, and honestly, cytopathology, um, right, my fellowship year, I did over 200 fine needle aspirations on patients. So, right, that was most days I met at least one patient, if not more, and had a quick interaction mm-hmm. with them, explained what I would do, obtained informed consent, um, performed the procedure, chatted with them and the and their uh, clinician, and then went back to my lab.
0: And is this an aspiration anywhere on the body? Is it usually, does it have to be a certain superficiality level? Uh, yeah, a
1: great question. So, I am trained to do anything superficial anywhere. So, if I can feel it, I can... Poke it.
0: got it got it
1: um but plenty of places and and here right so i did fellowship 6 years ago since then we've started within our department we have an ultrasound machine now our fellows graduate with competency yeah. in doing it ultrasound guided as well there's different schools of thought as to who is best or or which different groups all, you know, equally are uh, good options for performing ultrasound-guided FNAs. But there are certainly institutions in the country where they're done exclusively by cytopathologists.
0: And the other cool thing about... So I did a pathology rotation for four weeks, and I thought it was very cool. I thought it was really interesting. One of my favorite things, actually, was when... I was with a doctor, and she specialized in kind of GI pathology, uh, and I just came off a colorectal surgery Oh, that's perfect. Thing. And I was in with this doctor, and and one of the surgeons that I actually knew called this doctor and said, listen, we're in the OR right yep, now. Yep. Can you tell me a little bit more about this kind of in-the-moment, important yeah, interactions sure, that sure. pathologies have?
1: So, this is called a frozen section. Yeah. Um, we currently um, we sort of split up so there's five surgical pathologists who are on every week mm-hmm. and we split up the responsibility mm-hmm. throughout the week we take turns who's you know who has the weekend yeah. um, but there is always at Jefferson a pathologist a surgical pathologist who's available to read what's called a frozen section mm-hmm. so pretty much what happens um, a specimen is brought down from the operating room it could be something as large as a PPPD specimen it could be something tiny as a you know very small small nerve margin, facial nerve margin, let's say, um, we can slice something up to about the size of a nickel. But obviously we can make multiple nickel mm-hmm. size slices. Um, we can, you know, so you immediately slice it, you can ink it. So you can say like, this was the true, very true edge. Um, or I want to see distance between the edge and this obvious tumor that I can see grossly. Freeze it, cut it on a microtome, stain it. The stain takes about two minutes to perform. All told, um, our regulations say within about 20 minutes, we should go from having the specimen to having the slides. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we can, you know, call into the OR and say your shave margin is clear or we can do a, a margin comparing the edge of the tissue with an obvious tumor. You know, you've got five millimeters of clearance. And or, these
0: margins are so important, right? Because in this case, you're dealing with a cancer or a tumor correct. or something well, like that. Well,
1: you know, and we'll also do them for, you know, concerns that there could be mucor in the sinuses and you want to start treatment immediately. I mean, there's there's a, a, it's not just oncologic. I see. That's probably the most common. Yeah. Um, but there are other reasons. And the patient infection. is under at
0: this point, right? Correct. They're under.
1: And, you know, I mean, the stakes are high, right? You want to make the right call because surgery, it's not appropriate to do a frozen section section yeah. unless surgery is going to depend on the result.
0: Yeah. I think this segues perfectly into the next question, with which is you were a surgeon. I was a surgeon. And then you changed over to pathology, which is a very interesting change that I wouldn't expect out of anywhere. Can you tell me a little bit about that transition? Because I know it might it must, might, must be a big story, and that's what we're here for. Okay.
1: <laughs> so it is a big story, yeah. you know, and I think it's still one, if I'm being honest, one that I'm working through, sort yes, of what okay. are the life lessons for yeah. me. I will say I get tapped a lot to talk to folks who are thinking about surgery and something else. Yeah. So I've had this conversation multiple times. Yeah. Um, I think for me, it probably starts in medical school um, where if I'm being honest, I loved it all, right? I loved, loved the first two years of med school. I felt like I was this sponge just getting to soak up so much knowledge. And really every rotation, you know, that third year where you do all these um, sort of everybody does the same OB, internal surgery, uh, surgery. I loved all of them. Um, So it wasn't as if, Surgery was the only place I felt happy. I liked a lot about everything. Um, and I think important to know, right, this is like the end of my third year of medical yeah. school, I didn't recognize that MDs did pathology.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, which, you know, uh, so I couldn't even consider Did you it. know what
0: pathology was, though?
1: So I loved my histology okay. course Is the start of med school, which yeah. was taught by an amazing PhD. Yeah. So to me, that work was PhD work, and I wasn't mm, getting a PhD. I so yeah. I, I didn't even consider it. I see. Um, so, right, what did I love about the OR? I, if I'm being honest, felt a huge sense of satisfaction at the end of the case, right? You had acute appendicitis and now you don't. That's a great mm-hmm. feeling. Um, I felt like the operating room, I looked at it as this almost, like, temple-type place where, um, you know, it was quiet and everybody was focused and really thinking about just one problem. And then that problem got solved, mm-hmm. which I really enjoyed. I have such respect for folks who manage high blood pressure for a living. I didn't find that as satisfying mm-hmm. as that I'm going to meet this patient who has a problem. I loved that interaction part, but then I'm going to put you to sleep. We're going to solve the problem. I'll meet you maybe one or two more times <laughs> to make sure you're healing okay. Yeah. And then we'll both move on with yeah. our lives. That that was a right feel for me. Yeah. Um and you know I think at that point in my life um I was not only happy making my career my primary focus that's what I wanted to yeah. do right there was no thought to oh I might want a holiday that's yeah. okay thanksgiving can be for other people right I didn't wow. uh, um I didn't feel like I was giving any uh, that part up because I okay. was gaining so much I right see.
0: So you're so, it sounds like you're very passionate about surgery at this point.
1: I mean, I still, I, I yeah. did a frozen for Dr. Yo not yeah. that long wow. ago. And I was even thinking to myself, like, I still look at the OR schedule and say, like, that'd be a cool room to operate in. So it's not as if um, I didn't, didn't fall out of love with it, if, if that can yeah, be. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, So, but I would say, right, so I, I, Came into residency with all of that. Uh, was a resident here at Jeff, so did three clinical years. Wow. Um, if I'm being honest, there were some nagging doubts during those three years. Some of the things weren't maybe what I had hoped for. Or things were a little different. Uh, felt like a lot of sort of protocolized protocolized mm-hmm. medicine mm-hmm. where, right, learn all the steps, do them, done. Yeah. And while I was learning them, that felt exciting. But then once they were... Part of me it felt like, well, what's what's like what's next? What's what am next? I learning next? Yeah. Um and I, you know, that's important. You need a framework. Mm-hmm. So some of this is is probably inappropriate frustration, uh-huh. but it was still frustration. Yes. Um, and then everyone here, or I think almost everyone here, goes into the lab for a year yep. after three clinical years. I absolutely loved the lab. So I did mouse model work, flow cytometry mm-hmm. work, all breast cancer models. I had a phenomenal year. Wow. I felt like I, that questioning, that like thirst for new learning, that wasn't like something to push in the corner. That mm-hmm. was, that was something that like, oh yes, what, what questions do you have? Yeah. Let's, let's think through them together. <laughs> yeah. um, I really got excited about that really. Um, uh, in some ways I felt like I was surrounded by my people. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. I've heard
0: this this expression many times from people, and, I'm, and it, it's, I'm starting to it's I'm starting to develop certain phrases. Surrounded by people is a is a key thing.
1: Yeah, you know, and I I felt like it was important not to pick a field that had people like me, yeah. because that's how we repeat cycles that may not work. Um, so I, I think you know, for medical student listeners. Only give this so much credence, but at least give it some credence, right? The, if you're surrounded by your people, it might be because they like similar things to mm-hmm. you, and so you might like this, um, right? So I will say also that year in the lab, I had a planned pregnancy of surprise twins that mm-hmm. were due, uh, that ended up being born June 30th, my last year in the lab. Um, that was a very hectic transition.
0: I have no idea, yeah.
1: Um, And I think, you know, those nagging doubts that I had, the the sort of alive feeling that I got in the lab pushed me to really give those questions some real thought. Um, Personal for my son, so I don't really want to go into more details, but when he was six months, he had a very frightening health scare. He's 100% Mm. healthy now, but it was very scary at the time. Um, And it really made me refocus... What are my priorities, my whole priorities? And when this happened,
0: you are in surgery? I'm I'm
1: halfway through my fourth year of uh, clinical surgery. Clinical surgery. Yeah. If I can say I felt incredibly lucky to be supported, folks said, go take six months Mm -hmm. and figure out what makes sense for Mm -hmm. you. I talked with really as many people as who would talk with me, a lot of parent doctors, Mm a lot of twin parents, Um, And just sort of said, like, how does your life work? Right. Um, What would you have done differently were fewer in my position? Right. I had about 18 months to go at that point of a surgery residency, and I, I felt confident that I could make it, but not sure if it made sense anymore for who I was as a whole human being. Um, and I really, by luck, one of my co surgery residents knew one of the pathologists who had this surgery resident. Um, she was now faculty. She had a kid the same age as my twins. This pathologist had a kid the same age. She's like, just talk to her, hear what it's like. And that conversation was really uh, momentous for me, right? She brought up a lot of sort of familiar moments for me of things that I enjoyed in medical school, things that I enjoyed in the lab. Um, and I heard a lot of echoes from her of things that I thought I loved about surgery that I recognized were not necessarily unique to surgery, right? In some ways, for me, my microscope is my new operating table, Mm -hmm. and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and sort of one thing led to another. Um, Tons of support from the surgery department here for which I will be forever grateful, Mm -hmm. but I made a change to the pathology department here and completed my training.
0: Wow. So, so, so you're six months into your fifth year, your fourth clinical year, correct? So, your fourth clinical year, and then you do. You, so, do you take those six months? I did. Is this during those six months where you're really correct. figuring things out? I took okay. six
1: months, I continued to put the kids in daycare yeah. and pretty much spent every day. I talked to folks who use their MD to work in industry, yeah. like. Uh-huh. Anything you could use an MD for, if you were willing to talk to me, I was so appreciative for your time. I would
0: love—were there any other paths that you considered? Did you consider industry? Did you consider—
1: So my dad is a chemist by training and had worked in the pharmaceutical industry for a long time. So I talked to some folks there— um, Talked to some folks actually at the ECRI Institute who okay. do um, like uh, quality and safety, yeah. which I am like. was <laughs> always incredibly passionate about, whether related yeah. to surgery or path yeah. or medicine, you know, whatever. Um, I had a hard time with the idea of leaving patients entirely.
0: Because um, the main decision point is finish the surgery or go into something else, right? That's the main decision point?
1: I mean, so… Finish surgery or do something else. And then if it's the something else, what is What, the, what is the something
0: else? yeah. <laughs> right. Is it so, within medicine? So the first decision you're making is to leave surgery, right? What are the salient points or what are the p- things people tell you to kind of push you in that direction? Or were people saying other things like this is why you should stay in surgery? I'm just curious. out of I want to, if possible, boil down all these amazing conversations that you've had with people and and kind of see kind of what are the things that stuck with you? What are the things you remember people telling you and like, that's a good point. Hmm. Why didn't I think about that before?
1: Many of them were depressing. Okay. And so I don't know that I want to share that. I mean, if I'm being honest, most of the women I spoke with told me to run. Really? Which uh, is a shame.
0: Yeah, that's a shame. Because of what goes on in the surgery field?
1: I think, so I think, first of all, this was... Over 10 years ago. So I'd like to think, and I certainly know here, things have changed significantly. So I would like to think that this advice is no longer appropriate. Okay. But I got a lot of, it's not going to get better. Um, So if you're not happy now, you won't be. Yeah. Um, I got some, and I think this was meant supportively, um, just get 24-hour care until they go to kindergarten and then you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And I think that was meant as like, Alison, we don't want you to yeah. leave. Like it was truly meant from a kind place, yeah. but in some ways that actually cut me deeper because right, I'd had twins. We probably weren't gonna have any more yeah. after this. So like when I missed a first step, I missed all of the first steps for my children yeah. ever, Yeah. Um, which as twenty as a 22 year old was like, sure, who cares? Mm-hmm. But now as a brand new mom, I cared. Yeah.
0: Um yeah.
1: so that didn't feel like a good No, solution. you don't know, you don't. Know, I mean, because what's
0: I mean, again, I don't have kids. I have no idea possibly what this is like, but I mean, I can imagine that you want to spend some time with your <laughs> yeah, kids, right? Right, yeah. right. I mean, I'm
1: not complaining <laughs> yeah. to go
0: out to dinner occasionally
1: yeah. without them, but no, I mean, especially my my kids are great. Yeah. I absolutely adore yeah. them. I I wanted and I want. Mm-hmm. Time with them.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. So then, do you have any of the salient positive points of saying kind of like, what's pulling me towards pathology? I hesitate to take on that
1: lifestyle got label. It. Got it, got um, I think, you know, I work with some pathologists who work incredibly hard, yeah. and I would say just as hard as surgeons wow. I work with, in, worked with in terms yeah. of hours, but the flexibility of those hours is key. Got it. Um and even right, like my office, I maybe this is too much information, yeah. but right, like I've signed out cases with a vomiting daughter in my office because mm-hmm. there was no one to take care of her. Mm-hmm. My husband was away for work. Yep. She came in with me. We closed the door. I wore a mask. She puked in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was taking care right. And and it's fine, right? Yeah. Like I didn't let any patients down. Yeah. I took care of my daughter. Yep. Um I can't think of another area in medicine that offers that flexibility. I
0: can't think of that either.
1: Yeah. So that's helpful. Yeah. Um, that's a pull.
0: That's a good pull. That's <laughs> definitely a really good pull. I agree. I agree. So this is so that's crazy. And was, do you think there was ever, was there ever a moment where it's like, listen, I just had this phone call. I'm doing pathology. Or was it kind of a slow burn? It was <laughs> a slow burn. It was a slow for burn. sure. Okay. Um,
1: it was you know, every day that I was away from surgery, realizing that like, hey, I didn't operate today and I'm okay. Yeah, Right? Like I'm not going through some horrible withdrawal. Like I miss it, but Uh I'm all right. I don't actually need it in my life. So there was that slow burn. And then I think sort of every, after I spoke with this one pathologist, uh, I was introduced to many others and Every pathologist I spoke with, I got more and more excited. Heard, you know, lots of echoes of things I enjoy, um, things that I liked from medical school. You know, I think I also, I always have had a lot of respect for folks who can admit when they don't know something. Mm -hmm. And I think that is actually the hallmark of a good pathologist Mm. is someone who says, you know, I haven't seen this before, but I'm going to figure it out right yes. gonna figure, I, I I don't know what this is and I'm excited to learn mm-hmm. that is a good pathologist and those are always people who have that um, mindset I've always held in really high regard so I, I think that was an. I love to hear the me. I don't
0: know especially from the attending and stuff like that right. I love to hear that it's I, like wait you can mess up I can mess up and
1: you know I would say it's not even messing up right yeah. it's it's recognizing that the boundaries of medical knowledge move every day yeah. and that's. Part of what makes this job so wonderful. Yeah. And right, so I would say that's another pull for pathology is the longevity is huge, yeah. right? How many surgeons did I see not able to operate because their backs gave out? You know, we have we have folks in our department in, the their phys- 70s, the in their 70s, in 80s. Ser- yeah. yeah, yeah. So if you are
0: dedicated to being a lifelong learner, that yeah. lifelong can really yeah. mean yeah. lifelong. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um <laughs> and what was the I'm interested. What was the reaction like of your friends, of your family, Mm. of your colleagues? Was anything like, oh, what's going on here? Or was.
1: So interesting. So, um, again, I don't know if this is going to end up feeling too personal after the fact, but a surgeon dad of twins said to me, I'm so happy that you made that choice. Okay. Like, this was not doable. I'm glad to see you found something else. Um, that's gonna make you happy. Interesting, so that yeah. was a very interesting. Yeah, and he hadn't reached out to me while I was deciding. This was like after mm. the fact, and I was like, "Where were you five months yeah, ago?" Can we talk? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Not sure why I didn't think to reach yeah. out to him, honestly. But um, that was interesting. Mm. You know, a lot of my close friends. Um, I mean, I got a ton of support. Yeah. Obviously, I think for me, there was this horrible feeling of right. I had a very close group in med school driven women, um, all went into different fields. They were finishing up or were already in practice in res, you know, have either finishing up residency or already in practice. And here I was starting over as an intern again. Um, there were some feelings, honestly, embarrassment Mm -hmm. or, or, um, like what's wrong with me Mm -hmm. kind of thoughts. Um, definitely got a lot of, I can't believe you're going to be still in training for another five years. Um, which was hard. I was in training for a long time. I don't yeah. recommend this path. Um, right? It was the path for uh-huh. me without a doubt. Yeah. But uh I don't
0: suggest, you know, five and a half years of surgery and then five years of yeah. pathology. So then you so then you're in you're you're in the residency. You're yeah. in the pathology residency. What's that like? Is it like dreams are true, I'm over the rainbow, this is I'm so, finally here.
1: Honestly, from day one, it yeah. was like clouds had parted. Awesome. Um You know, there were definite, um, I'd say growing pains. But, right, I came in with three women who I think had known their whole lives they wanted to be pathologists. And, right, so there were things they knew very well. I hadn't looked, besides mouse tumors, I hadn't (laughs) looked at histology in 10 years. Wow. So, right, when we're looking at at normal stomach, they're like, oh, there's the parietal cells. And I'm like, wait, which one's, right? But (laughs) in the gross room or in the morgue, and they're like, oh, my God, how do I find the biliary tree? I'm like… I got gotcha, you. Yeah. Right. So I came in with different skills than yeah. them. So there were some adjustments, I mm-hmm. guess. But overall, I mean, I loved what I did almost every day, wow. which is right going through all these different rotations and yeah. pathology, which is great. I felt like I had. Colleagues who treated me with respect. Um, you know, nobody, nobody at work was like, "Why did you switch from surgery?" Mm-hmm. In some ways, the opposite. Folks would be like, "Oh, ex surgeon, come, yeah. come yeah. look at this, and this is where I'm thinking the margin yeah. is. What do you think?" So that felt good. Like, okay, I may be an intern again, but I have some knowledge. Yeah. Um, and then, frankly, right again to speak to the flexibility, a pathologist resident schedule. It's eight to six. In the hospital most days, or even less if necessary, Um, you have to hit the ground running in terms of reading and studying because you will not see everything clinically that Mm -hmm. you need to know for the boards. But, right, you can study whenever. Nobody cares.
0: And how did you decide to further specialize? Why did you Mm. pick um, a cytopathologist and gynecologic surgical pathologist?
1: That's a good question. So... I, I'm not bored, I'm not um, I mean, you can't be bored in gynecologic uh-huh. surgical pathology. I didn't do any additional training. Yeah. Um, it was an area, so as a as a pathology resident, much of my research, almost just by luck, ended up being in gynecologic yeah. surg path. Um there was a interesting project that came up in my second year that I was like, oh, I'd love to be a part of. And of course, you know, lasted through a couple years, got some publications out of. Uh-huh. Um it was exciting. And right then you go to national meetings and you get to meet people Beak who do that. Yeah. Right, exactly. So it it um, lent itself nicely. Um, so cytopathology maybe is a, a bigger question. Why cyto? Um, and there were a couple of reasons. I... Loved, love using my hands. So doing fine needle aspirations was incredibly appealing. Like it felt like, well, that's it, like if I can put in an A-line, yeah. of course I can get some <laughs> cells out of you. Yeah. Um so it felt like using a skill set yeah. I had, maybe making that surgical time less yeah. of, I don't want to say a waste, but but using those skills. Mm-hmm. Um that was part of it. Um I also really liked with cytopathology, you get to keep your sort of hands in. All the different organ systems yeah. right so like here we're subspecialized in surge path you sign out gi or ent or whatever it is but for cytopath i sign out whatever comes in so i felt like that allowed me to keep some breadth of knowledge yeah um, i also like i said most of my research now is based on lab quality and safety cytopathology has some of the most stringent guidelines mm. and whereas some folks might be turned off by that i
0: Why are there such stringent guidelines? Oh, that's a great question.
1: I think some of that is historic. I'm not sure if you have heard, and I'm going to get some of the details wrong, but in New York in the late 80s, I want to say, there Uh was a sort of scandal in terms of pap smears where Mm -hmm. folks weren't given their results, um, which led to, uh, let's say, enhanced regulations. Mm -hmm. I think also, right, so with, with cytology you're dealing with a very small amount of tissue, right? When we talk with pap smears, we even say it's we're giving an interpretation, Mm. not a diagnosis, um, which, you know, is like maybe silly wordplay, but does have some meaning. It's real. Um, And so I think perhaps because of the small amount of tissue um, and maybe because of these, you know, scandal, for whatever reason, there are significantly more guidelines, Mm. So especially in terms of pap smears. Yeah. Um, And... Like I love that. So yeah. we we are required to do cytology histology correlation. So if if somebody has a fine needle aspiration, say of their parotid, and I call it a PA, and then two months later they get their parotid removed and it's it's not a PA but some a high malignant. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, okay. A pleomorphic adenoma, Got which it. is a benign yes. neoplasm, but that can uh, have malignant transformation, so should okay. be removed. But if I you know if I call it a pleomorphic yeah. adenoma and then it ends up being some high grade malignancy, mm. I, I, I need that feedback. Right, that's important, and so I I review all that uh, correlation yeah. as is
0: required. Yeah, this is another again a side question, but I remember occasionally on certain calls. So on certain slides, they'd be like, I think it's this but you have to get other pathologists' feedback. Sure. Why Why is that? Why is it some slides, they're like, okay, we can say this is the diagnosis, the big bold lettering. I love to see the way pathologists... My favorite thing was seeing the residents type things mm. and then the, the mm. attending pathologist coming in like, you know what, maybe we should do this, this, and this. But anyway, so, so why do, in certain cases, you need two attending yep. pathologists?
1: Yep, so a great question. So some of this is... Um, Institutional protocol. Okay. Some of it is, um, you know, sort of protocolized across the country. Yeah. Um, so here at Jefferson, uh, in surgical pathology, all first diagnoses of cancer mm. require a second signature. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, right, obviously, that's a, a life-altering call yeah. to make. Um, and it's, it's a way— you know, I think it's a way for us to continue to calibrate like you know how how bad do the cells have to look for you to want to call cancer? Mm-hmm. like let's all be on the same page at all times. so it's a way to encourage that communication. Mm. It's also I think an important nod to the the importance of that diagnosis and what that's going to mean for the patient mm. and let's double check ourselves double check. so all in surgical pathology, all first malignancies get to um, Need two faculty members in cytopathology, and again because we're dealing with less material, every single malignant diagnosis requires two names. Wow! So, which again, I love with cytology. I'm like working with my colleagues <laughs> on a regular right, basis. Right, like colleagues on the right, re- you know, on a regular basis. Um, and again, because that call can mean so much yeah. and could be on so little material. Yeah. There are also then I would say those cases that are challenging that are. Gosh, I really think this is cancer, Mm -hmm. but I'm a little hesitant because either the quality of the cells or the quantity or there's an inflammatory background. Maybe these changes are just reactive. Mm. Um, And that's when it's great to show a whole bunch of people with really experienced eyeballs and not because I have to, but because... You know, best to. for the patient, and I want to, and it's good for the department also yeah. to talk things through. How far can we go on this? And
0: this speaks to the importance of you know finding a good team of yeah. people and a good residency and a good Absolutely. faculty place wherever you're going to be. So, you, so you finish residency, and now you're an attending. Now you're an attending. Can you walk me through maybe? And I don't know. Are you? Are you? Do you do? I know you have administrative duties. Do you have like a percentage? So most of us.
1: So it's a little different, I think, than certain other fields, okay. right? Because we need to cover the services. Mm-hmm. So every week we have at Jefferson Center City, we have five or six faculty members who are on Search Path, yeah. and ideally two faculty members who are on Cytopath. Got it. So you need really ideally eight people on yeah. every week. Yeah. So I think my contract says something like eight to nine weeks a quarter. I'm on service. Got it. But realistically, like we had a, a tough year where bunch of folks had kids and we had a lot of like a maternity leave mm-hmm. and a paternity leave and somebody retired. Yeah. You do the weeks you have to do. Got it. Got um, it. Um so when we're fully staffed, I probably am on service about eight weeks a quarter. Got and it. we do our service work a week at a time. Got it. Got it.
0: So let's go through, if you don't mind, an average day of when you're in the hospital. Yeah. Can you tell me when you get in? What do you do? When sure. do you have lunch? All these kind of things. So, all these boring details that I know that are boring really, at No, that
1: are really, really important. Yeah, exactly. Right? That's my That we my don't point. talk about yeah. enough. So I'm going to give you a CYTO week yeah, because sure. I do those the most. Great. Um, so I, uh, and I'm going to take you from the beginning of the day. Take Be- me right away. Exactly. When you first open your eyes. You got it. <laughs> so 6.05, the alarm goes yes. off. <laughs> um, and so, it's a sound
0: of music. It's uh. <laughs> what uh, it's,
1: it's some awful noise to get me up. So, um, on a site a week, three days you'll sign out and two days you'll cover rapids, which Got is it. sort of like Frozen's, a yeah. similar concept. Um, so, the days that I'm on rapids, I get up, take a shower, get my kids up, everybody gets breakfast, I make all the lunches. We're out the door at 7.30, I get them on, um, take them on the subway, watch them get on uh, at City Hall to head west to middle school. I walk to Jefferson. I'm um, in the office by eight, try to sort of like get myself started, review maybe some things from yesterday that I didn't quite finish. Um, usually rapids start coming around 8.30. I'm pretty much in my office until five. Um, and those days are, are sort of, I don't want to say catch as catch can, but you never know how they're going to be, Got it. right? Because it depends on uh, interventional radiologist, yep. depends on our gastroenterologist, mm. the other folks in yep. the hospital. Um, those days always follow a day on sign out. So any cases that need additional stains, I'm going to manage that day. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll also be going to my partner in crime for the week and saying, you know, these are things I want to call positive. Yeah. What do you think? Yep. Um, we also have a fellow, so if any interesting um, PAPS come up or um, like stat cases come yeah. up, I'll make sure to show them to him. Um, eat lunch whenever there's a break. Yeah. Um, uh, I honestly often pack myself like snacks that yeah. day and right, wow. like so granola bar uh-huh. here, apple there, whatever. Um, and then five five thirty, I'm going home. Um, this time of year, that means either I'm taking a kid to baseball practice or I'm taking a kid to karate. Right, exactly. Um, and then, you know, dinner, bed, the, all that. And are you
0: working at home?
1: Almost, uh, so almost. Never on clinical stuff, right? Can't bring the slides home. That's very much illegal. I I certainly bring it home up here sometimes. Um, Occasionally, I will bring, like, if I'm working on a manuscript, I'll bring, like, a manuscript home to do. I'm like a pen and paper person, Mm -hmm. so print it out, do revisions maybe during karate
0: or at baseball Mm -hmm. practice or
1: write that kind of thing. But for the most part,
0: there's never any, because my, my thing is because I hear of doctors going home to finish notes, and mm, they, there's nothing that you like, ha- or you're going to get called by admin like you didn't submit the. Da-da-da.
1: No, I mean, so all of my notes I really should be doing at work Got because it. they should be done while I'm looking at the slides, right? Yeah. So no, uh, the only work that I do at home on a regular, on anywhere near a regular basis is either. Manuscript revisions, if I have a lecture, a new lecture coming up mm-hmm. that I want to finish putting some stuff together for, or like revising one, um, or um, like committee work for, I'm on a committee for the College of American Pathologists, mm-hmm. American uh, Society of Cytopathologists, so maybe some committee work I could be doing Got in it. the evenings, but Got not it. not much. yeah. Um, and then those sign-out days are very different, mm. right? So same alarm clock, yep. <laughs> but get the kids up. My husband takes them, so then I row in the morning, nice. get, which is amazing, yeah. right? And then I get to work at like 8.45, nice. and that's fine. Yeah. That's totally yeah, fine. Yeah. Um, start sign-out when my slides arrive, which is somewhere between 9, 9.30, mm-hmm. whatever. Sign-out usually until 1, yep. and then I have my afternoons for like, admin stuff or meetings or I want to show somebody this complicated case or follow-up stuff from yesterday. Yeah. Um, and then the afternoon and evening are pretty similar. Yeah. So that's how we're making it making it go. No. And then, so I should say, I am somewhat unique. I take okay. very little call. Okay. So we, um, 13 weeks a quarter... In general, 13 of us take one week per quarter. Okay. So um I I do take one yeah. week per quarter. So Friday afternoon through Monday morning, one weekend or four weekends a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe occasional weeknights, uh, but not and a
0: what lot. is is cause? is it just if something needs to be looked at right? You have to come into the hospital or are you at home and yeah. you're a certain distance away, these kind of things? Good
1: questions. So um we do have a telepathology setup. Yeah. So for folks who Want to, they can use that. Um, I live um, like two thirds of a mile south of the hospital and Never felt as comfortable with that for something as high stakes as a frozen. Mm-hmm. So I come in. Yep. Um, we stay in the hospital until the ORs are are done, or the cases obviously wow. won't need for yeah. cases obviously won't need frozen, yeah. right? So you know if, if they're doing a laryngectomy, the margins are all clear, and now they're going to work on reconstruction. I don't need to be I here see. for that. Got it. Okay. Right. Got it.
0: You don't right. need to wait till they close up. or anything Exactly. Like that. Exactly. Okay, good, good. Um,
1: until until we're confident they don't need us anymore. Got it. So you know any. Um, working day, like yep. Monday through Friday. I wouldn't go home until I'm confident yes. I'm not needed. And then overnight, it's mostly gift of life, mm-hmm. where this organ is we're not sure if it's usable or not. Can we look at it microscopically yeah. to decide? Which, like, what a great reason to mm-hmm. come back into yeah. the hospital. Um, and those are not super common. Um, and right by living close, it makes it relatively makes it easy. more easy. Yeah. Got it. Got yeah.
0: it. Okay, I'm gonna ask the fun question now. I don't. Know, I, I know. I don't know if you saw this one, but. If I gave you a hundred million dollars oh, like today, that okay, good. If I gave you a hundred million dollars today, tax free, it's in your bank account, you can do with it whatever you want. Do you a, continue working full time, b change to work part time, <laughs> c switch careers entirely and become a high jumper or something like this, or d go live on a beach with your family and quit everything?
1: Yeah, so part time is definitely the answer. Um, I feel like at this point, I have a lot of training and yes. right this is I'm finishing up my 5th year on faculty yeah. I have some comfort level mm-hmm. that I didn't in the beginning also yeah. I don't want to lose that and like yeah. this is a cool job yeah. I'm genuinely yeah. happy to come to work and if if full time work yeah. gives me space to enjoy my family work out you know see my friends then then part time even more even so even more of that right. good
0: stuff even more you know and there
1: stuff. are plenty of pathologists who write rather than working that 8 to 9 weeks on service, a quarter, say... I want to work four to five and, oh. and get half pay. Or, okay. or That is absolutely a model that I've seen.
0: And you can do that. You can just go to your administration and I say. I mean,
1: <laughs> you need, right. I, I couldn't just tomorrow be, be like, like, so next quarter I'm, I'm only. Now. Right, right. Uh, that's a conversation to have. Yeah. But there are absolutely jobs like that that Got exist. Um, and, you know, I know people who've gone through that transition. So part-time, um, I think it's enough that you
0: keep your skills. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. that's nice to hear. Because I've heard I've heard internists as well. I heard one internist who actually only did moonlighting once a week per month, and that was a full time salary doing one week a month of moonlighting. Wow, interesting. Interesting, right? Yeah. But you can also do when you're an attending hospitalist, you do one week on and one week off, which is right. another interesting thing right. too. But those are full weeks. Those yeah. are full weeks. Yeah. Those are full weeks. <laughs> so pathology. Now that you said you do, what do you think is the best thing or the best things? It could be multiple things about being a pathologist.
1: Okay, so I wrote down and, and highlighted some yes. things that I want yeah, to make yeah, sure yeah, I yeah, said. Yeah.
0: Go for it. So, Take to, everyone off of surgery, let's go to phone. No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, no, we need our surgeons. Yes. <laughs> um, so the number one thing for me is I love that part of the job is to constantly learn new things, Got to it. constantly push boundaries. I think that is exciting, it makes mm. you want to come to work. I like sort of being the doctor's doctor, we say a lot in pathology, right? Mm. In some ways, Rather than explaining things to patients, I'm explaining things to my clinical colleagues. I love that interaction, the relationships I get to form. Really exciting. I, as you've heard, really um, am passionate about healthcare that is high value and safe. Uh, Being Mm -hmm. working in the lab allows um, you to sort of keep your hand on a lot of that value and safety aspect Mm -hmm. of healthcare. For my life, the flexibility is phenomenal, and I think the longevity is exciting. Right, yeah. seeing folks in my department in their seventies, in their eighties, happy to come to work, absolutely still contributing and helping patients. It's exciting. It. it
0: that sounds really it's good. Nice thing to I love see. that. Yeah. I because I remember I also like that in the in the, when I did my stint in the in, with the pathologist. I love the calls. You guys get calls from the doctors all oh, the yeah. time, and you're like what do you think this is? Right. You're like, I saw this. This is my clinical correlation. What do you think? The, da, 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 da? It's, it's amazing. I love those conversations. I like it too. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's nice and to that be And that was my favorite
0: thing about surgery, actually, too. My favorite part of being in the OR was, you know, you'd be on a complicated kind of colorectal case, and you'd be on a on a woman, and you'd be going kind of close to kind of that gynecological area, and you're like... Wait a second. I shouldn't. I don't really know what we're cutting down here. Let's get this other guy in oh, here yeah, to kind yeah, of figure yeah. out what we're really looking at, where the ureter is, and all these kind of things that are tough. That was my favorite. I love. That's probably one of my favorite things about medicine. It's just the collegiality, just the people coming together to help people, right? It's something that you can't really match it with any other career. I don't think.
1: I don't. I mean, I've never had another career, yeah. but I can't yeah. think of another one where it's, one. it's so high stakes and so so important to work together.
0: I can't think of it. I can't think of it. So the counterpoint. Yeah. So, of course, what is the best thing about being a pathologist? So what is the worst thing about being a pathologist?
1: So I th- think, and this was my own experience yeah. as a med student, right? Pathology can be forgotten as a field for MDs, mm-hmm. right? Not at Jefferson, but at some other places I may have interviewed. There may be offices in the basement without windows. That's where the morgue usually mm-hmm. is. So I think it can be undervalued, underlooked, and mm-hmm. potentially then undervalued. Mm-hmm. Um, Less glory than some other fields, right? I'm not cracking chests in the E-R-O-R O R as mm-hmm. a pathologist, um, so there's not that like rush yeah. of adrenaline yeah. and excitement, yeah. which I'm cool with. Yeah, um, but but for some people that, that that drives them, yeah. and so it's important to recognize. Not a lot of
0: that. Not a lot of, yeah, bone cracking. Right. <laughs> Unless you're in doing… But, aut- but so,
1: uh, plenty of bone cracking, yes. actually, right? Like Not get- emergent bone exactly. cracking. Exactly. Yes. I do yes. it very slow and yeah. carefully. Right. Yeah. right.
0: That was an interesting thing. The autopsies are a whole other thing. They're cool, but they're scary, too, at the same time. Okay, this is a whole… I'm yeah, a I mean,
1: autopsies thing. are… That's a whole, a whole conversation, I think…
0: Um, even Honestly. being in the anatomy lab for my first time and seeing that if you live in a city for, like, over 10 years, the bottom of your lungs have those little black dots on them. Yeah. What is that?
1: Yeah, I mean, anthracotic pigment. Yeah.
0: But uh, but it's not damaging to you, right, or any
1: kind of way? I
0: don't think so. Not that we know. No, I mean. Okay.
1: Fine. I mean. So we'll the, find <laughs> out. Right. Because <laughs> it depends on what exactly mm-hmm. is within, you know, your
0: personal yeah. lungs. Um, it's in, it's, it really is interesting. To, like, the heart. The heart for, this is really, we're getting real basic here, but I thought, you know, when I first came into med school, the heart was going to be some massive thing with all these lovely, well-defined arteries and veins coming out of it. It's just a junk of red stuff. In my in my initial, I would looking argue
1: at it. they're well defined, but maybe that's <laughs> not for the best. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's fair. That's fair.
1: Um, no, I mean I loved doing autopsies. Yeah. It felt like very safe yeah. surgery. Um, I right, we all do a month at the medical examiner. Yeah. That was harder for me. Yeah, um, that's a lot of uh, unfortunately mm-hmm. underbelly. Um, I was there just as fentanyl was getting into the drug supply here, so it was a scary time. Mm-hmm. Um, and right, you know, you're seeing. Uh, the unfortunate yeah. side of humanity. Is this
0: the forensic more subspecialty? Okay. Yeah. And did you ever consider that no. or no? So, no. So
1: uh, I have so much respect for forensic pathologists and we've actually had a number of residents go into it recently. Yeah. I mean, it's a hugely important. Right? Those are the folks that are going to sound the alarm that there's fentanyl in mm-hmm. the drug supply now mm-hmm. or, or um, you know, help families. You know, your your loved one died from a genetic complication. Yeah. The whole family should now get evaluated for that genetic complication. Um Right, So huge public health ramifications and then also sort of personalized medicine ramifications. Really important stuff. Um, I had a hard time with the underbelly of humanity type of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I recognize that you're there sort of to shine a light in the hopes of improving things. um, But I I, I knew it would get me down on a regular basis. Got
0: it. That makes sense. That makes sense. Is there anything you wish you knew before becoming a pathologist? Uh, I mean... That it existed. Um,
1: <laughs> no, I mean, I think, right, so I came into the f- the second time. Yes. I came into pathology really as well-read well, uh, well read as possible. I had spoken to so many people at that point.
0: Probably more read than 99% right, of the other right. I going into I had
1: met individually with, like, half of the faculty <laughs> at that point. So I, I think I was pretty well aware. Um, you know, I, I think spending time... In the department is what one needs to learn about the field, which is a shame in that many medical schools don't the medical students just don't have that opportunity at all. You know, certainly not a required. Yeah. Uh, rotation And then even on an elective basis can be hard to organize. Yeah. and
0: Which is why I'm, I love that you're here talking to me about this because I think it's so important to get exposed. Because I speak to uh, attendings all the time and a lot of them tell me that they wouldn't have went into their field if they didn't have this XYZ interaction with someone. And a lot of them also say that they stayed away mm. from a certain field because they had an XYZ interaction with someone. So I think it's hugely important to increase the exposure. And this is my thinking. Again, who knows if it's right or not. But I wish med students were exposed to more in their first year. That way they Agreed. could know that, you know, this is kind of cool. I want to learn more about this or learn more about this. Before, you're in third year and you're like, wait a second. I didn't even know this existed. And now I have to figure out my applications, research, and all this kind of thing that we think of as as med students that we got to be the most competitive and right? know the most and all this kind of stuff.
1: No, I agree. I, I wish that earlier on in my medical training, I had... Um, thought to ask about this, yeah. right? Like, honestly, histology was my first class in medical school. I loved it. I wish I had thought to say, like, wait, are there MDs that yeah. do this? But I didn't know to ask you that question. You just don't question. think. I did, right.
0: You're in the you're in the thing, this is the status quo. They know, everyone knows what they're doing, right? And I'm, I'm not, Jefferson, again, top choice medical school. I'm so happy. Uh, I went I mean, there. I love it here, blah, 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 blah. But this it, is a general thing for medical education. I think I just wish i I went outside a little bit. I explored a little bit more. So that's why if you're listening to this podcast, you're the best medical student. You're the best person ever because you're getting that exposure.
1: And I should say, I didn't go to medical school here, so I can't speak Uh to— And Yeah, but I think it's honestly um, typical of medical schools everywhere. Right now, having read thousands at this point of applications of folks applying to pathology residency— Many of the personal statements are like, oops, stories yeah. of how I found pathology. Um, lots of people come to it late. And I think that's because of the way that the medical education system yeah. is is set up.
0: What is the most common myth about pathologists?
1: <sighs> common myth. Well, I think one of them is you're a pathologist, so you don't see patients. Yeah. Right. Which is yeah. definitively not true unless yeah. you want it to be. Yeah. Um, and I think folks can think of us as sort of introverted like they just want to be alone with their microscope or in their lab or whatever Um, most of us are not like that
0: (laughs) And there's so, there's so much communication, right? There's communication right. not only between your patients, but it seems like there's communi- constant communication between you and the providers. Say for some reason they're in the OR doing a procedure, they're going to call you. Or if they read—this is, this is the more common interaction that I saw. If they read something and they're like, really? Do you think this? Why do you think this? <laughs> Tell me why you think this. I didn't know. You're a pathologist, but I'm the, 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 right. the kind of thing.
1: Um, you know all of the all of the above. Yeah. I also write and making a lot of phone calls to say um, this might come as a surprise yeah. to you, but that biopsy you sent us that you know it sounded clinically like you were yeah. thinking about X. It's actually Y. Yeah. Right, so I'm picking up the phone to start those interactions yeah. a lot. Um, but yeah, we're in. I think if you're doing your job well as a pathologist, you are in constant communication with your clinical colleagues yeah. and other pathologists. So you have to enjoy that. So that that person who literally just wants to be left alone with their microscope may not be happy.
0: Yeah, maybe you do a PhD PhD and that involves no human stuff or something like that. So what do you think are the characteristics, why did I trouble with that word, of someone who would excel in pathology?
1: So I have three, and yes. they've been said, I think, throughout this yes. conversation. The first one is you need to be open-minded, Got it, right? If you're going into any case saying like, oh, this must be cancer, you're already down the tubes, right? You have to be able to be open-minded. I think you have to love learning and be able to be comfortable not knowing things. Uh, if you're the type of person who wants to be the expert in the room at all times, it might actually not be the field for you. Um, because... How I sign something out today, 10 years from now, we could learn that that actually is incorrect. So I have to live with that for the rest of my life. Everything I type up could end up being wrong down mm. the road. And those reports and those slides, we have to keep them, mm-hmm. right? So somebody can say, Allison, 10 years ago, you called it this. We don't call it that, any, right? So you have to be comfortable with that. Um, and then I think you have to be comfortable talking with your colleagues constantly saying, you know, I'm not sure how far would you go with this? You have to be able to start those conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, right, for my area of pathology, you have to enjoy a day at the microscope, right? Really drilling down on details, thinking through what could this be and and having those thoughts again and again and again and again all day long. If sitting at a microscope for eight hours is unappealing, The job of a surgical or cytopathologist is not for you, but there are other fields in pathology that could be. That
0: are definitely for you. So say you're a third-year medical student and you're not really sure about pathology. Maybe you're thinking internal medicine. Maybe you're thinking radiology, whatever. How would you advise them to start learning more about pathology or making that decision inside of their head? Because, you know, applications coming up, ERAS is coming up. How do I decide if pathology is the specialty for me as a third-year medical student?
1: So I think the first thing you do is you email me yeah. or Dr. Chan.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: Um And you say, I'm considering pathology. Yeah. Can I spend some time with the department? Yeah. Right. So in CITO, we're lucky we have a large multi-headed scope. There is always room for one yeah. more. Always. And we are excited to have folks. So, Come for the day, which Mm -hmm. right in Saito really means coming from like 9.30 to 1. Mm -hmm. Sit with us. And you won't necessarily understand what you're looking at, but are the conversations we're having exciting or boring? Mm -hmm. Are you psyched to see what's on the next slide? Mm -hmm. or Are you like enough already? That should be very telling, at least in terms of the jobs where you're looking at a microscope in pathology. Um, So I think that is the best place to start. Dr. Chan and I will always find room for you yeah. to come for a day, and then right. I would say, I would really encourage folks to do at least at Jefferson. Yeah. We have a four week rotation in yeah. pathology that's you know open to uh, fourth year med yeah. students. I would really encourage folks to come for that month. You get exposure to lab medicine as well as as that microscope type life. Um, so you can you can start seeing. Am I excited to come to work or am I bored? And, yeah. And I, th- I think that's the most telling.
0: And this, and that's really helpful. But I also think it—I wish more people that weren't going into pathology did this pathology rotation. Because mm. I think it's so helpful. For example, I'm going into internal medicine, but I did a pathology rotation. I did a radiology rotation. I did um, an infectious disease rotation because I just love these kind of things. And it's helped me so much just to see what goes on behind the bold letters of, you know, this is this or this is this. It's helped me so much.
1: So I I think I mean Dr. Chan has done a fantastic job. We definitely get folks coming in, especially in the spring, saying, I know I'm not gonna be a pathologist, but right, like we got a lot of folks consider uh, who are going into OBGYN who want to spend time in cytology and see pap smears. Yeah. Right. And that's oh my gosh, I love that. Right. And I'm not, I'm not here like we can't. Not every single med student can go into pathology. pathology, right? right. Doesn't (laughs) doesn't work. Um, Right. Like, thank goodness for my OBGYNs because they send us materials so I can have the job that I love. Um, But I think starting that communication early, right? So that's an opportunity to spend time with a cytopathologist, hear how they're thinking. You know, then we have a relationship down the road. You've got a weird pap, call me and send it to me, and I'll tell you what I think, right? Um, So I agree with you. I think it's a great rotation for. Anybody, um, there's different things to learn depending on what you're what you're focusing, what you're on. going
0: for. And after reading those thousands of applications, say you're the first or second year, or maybe third year medical student that's decided, you know, pathology is for me. I definitely want to do pathology 100. How can I be the best applicant? How can I be mm. the most competitive, the applicant that you're gonna read and say, you know what, I gotta have Zach, is that the, because Zach did X Y Z, and he did this kind of thing, and the way he's kind of writing his essay, we gotta have him. Are there any things that students should think about as they're going through medical school to make the director or someone who's going to pick if you're in their program say, we got to have this girl or this guy?
1: Yeah. So um, there's a couple of things that we're going to look at, that we look at every single application yeah. for. Um, it's like. Secret sauce here, yeah. right? So if that's you're, like, it's great. To have, yeah, <laughs> if you're interested in pathology, yeah. number one, you need to have done at least one pathology rotation. Yeah. Um, I and, and like it's silly to say, yeah. but uh, that's number one because yeah. um, you need to know what it is you're, yeah, you know, Gonna going for, right? Um, and two is better. So one is good, two is better. Um, important for you to have done some research as loosely defined as possible. If it can be with a pathologist, even better. And like we have to do research, so we're psyched to have folks work with us. Yeah. Um, If it, you know, is a poster or a presentation, even better. But even just anything with a pathologist, thumbs up. There's a pathology interest group. Be a member of it. If you can be leadership of it, even better. Um, You know, I will say this is um, not necessarily pathology specific, but I think medicine specific is we need to improve our efforts in terms of diversity and inclusion um, and in terms of reaching out to underserved communities. So I think efforts in those ways that are real are also absolutely noted and appreciated um, because we think it's important if you're going to be part of our community to care about those things yeah. um, and, and our medical community, yes, yes, not just course, the pathology yeah. community, right? Um Obviously, it's good to have done well in medical school. Um, You know, I I think if you didn't do great in your physical exam class, that matters a lot less than if you didn't do great in histology. Uh
0: This makes sense. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Um, And I will say, so one other really important thing actually is who your letter writers are and how well they know you when your letter writer is a program director and says, I know Zach so well from these three things and I am hoping to get Zach in my own program, that matters a lot. Mm. Versus if somebody says, yeah, Zach was in my class once and he seemed okay. (laughs) That does not do as much for you. (laughs) So, you know, I think it behooves you to reach out to the folks in whatever I'm can't imagine this is unique to pathology yeah. either. Reach out to the folks in whatever field. Um, make sure they know you for you and all the the good things about you. Um, and and write a personal letter.
0: And does their name and pedigree have any role in the letter or not really?
1: Uh, so interesting, right? Pathology is a small world. Yeah. So if it's like there are plenty of folks that yeah. at this point I know and trust. Yeah. yeah. So um, that... I don't want to say it matters more. It's Got not to it. like get a plus one if it's from a it's like uh, somebody who's given yeah. us good yeah. people before, but it's noticed. Yes, um, I see. It, And especially because it's a small field, I would say any program director of a residency or folk, somebody who's involved in the medical education yeah. um, is gonna, you know, make a little yeah, yeah a, little, a little check plus gotcha, maybe, gotcha. but not. I don't care where they what institution they're at. Yeah. I don't care if they're an assistant professor yeah. or an associate professor. I see. Most of all, I care that they know you and they know what a pathologist does yeah. and they think
0: you'll be a good pathologist. <laughs> got it, got it, got it. <laughs> and are there any red flags? Are there anything you've seen on an application you're like, oh, this person was so good, but no, we can't even think about them because of this.
1: Basic red flags, um, ethical violations yeah. is is one that comes, you know, I'm all for second chances. Yeah. Um, So I'd want to dig deeper on that, know know the details. Um, Felonies. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, some are absolute no's. Maybe there are some that I would consider, again, Mm -hmm. because we're up for second chances. Um, But in general, felonies are not not ideal.
0: Don't commit a felony in med school. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, Or if it is, make it a minor one where no one
0: was injured. Well, maybe just don't commit a felony. Right, right. That's,
1: that's a very good bar to have. Um, trying to think what else. You know, uh, don't be rude yeah. to our program coordinator. She is a phenomenal human being and trying so hard to do a very difficult job. You know, in general, don't yeah. be rude is a good idea. No, this is um, you know, I think for the interview day, if you're not interested, act interested. Or, or if you're the type who has like that resting face that looks disinterested, know that about yourself and, 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 yeah. and practice or at least say something like, people often see this as disinterest, but no, I'm really.
0: This is my interest. Right. Face.
1: You, you just say it. Right. Yeah. We're on Zoom. It's so hard.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, we have received thank you notes for the, the wrong program. That's not a red flag, but let's don't a do that. Yeah, flag, it's it's yeah. like a what did you mean here kind of yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, right. If everything else is great about the person, yeah, whatever, moving on. But um,
0: It's not gonna just help don't you. do it. Right, it's yeah. not gonna help you. It's not not help a good you. idea. It's not gonna help you. Um,
1: and I will say also, um, right, you're gonna interact with our residents, yeah. Treat them with respect. Yeah. Uh, that is a red flag. Yeah. You are rude to our residents. No go. Yeah.
0: No go. Because yeah. we're
1: building a community, yeah. right? And if you're going to be a team. in our right, right, yeah. if you're going to be in our community, part of that is is being kind to each other.
0: Yeah. So let's step away from getting in, and let's say we're in. And now you've been in a, you've been attending for f- five years. You said finishing mm-hmm. up. Where do you, this is a top, very tough question. Uh, but, but where do you think the future of pathology is? and this can, be, this can be everything from, you know, I think we're going to get such good scanners that we don't actually have to look at the microscope. You'd think that's never going to happen.
1: I don't know about never. Okay. I'm very confident that it will not happen in my
0: career lifetime. Got it, got it, okay.
1: Right, because we've been at this since, Pretty much my entire life, we've been trying to make, you know, computers be pathologists. And we're nowhere, nowhere close. So if it's taken 40-odd years to get nowhere close, I think in 40-odd years, we still won't be there. Got
0: it, got it. So you're (laughs) safe. I feel like I'm
1: good. Um, You know, I think uh, AI obviously is already adding to pathology and will continue to. It is phenomenal for needle in a haystack Mm -hmm. jobs, um, right? Looking for one cell in 10,000 awesome, I'm yeah. so psyched to have a computer do that instead of me. <laughs> yeah. um, good also, we know that you know estimating how many nuclei in this field are positive is something that human eyeballs are only okay at. Mm-hmm. Computers are very good. So in times when it matters yeah. to use the computer to help, great. I yeah. love it. Um, so those are areas, and we already use it for pap smears, uh, not at Jefferson, but at very high volume places, we'll use it to say, what are the 20 fields that are the most likely to have a problem. So I can look at those 20 fields, and if they don't, I can say, okay, this yeah. is negative, right? Those are sort of computer-based jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see that changing drastically. Yeah.
0: Okay, <laughs> let's move on more general. I think I, I get a good idea of what pathology is. I think I have a good idea of why, some, why you made this transition and what kind of a life of a pathologist is. But now, as a doctor in general, going through kind of your career change and everything. Do you have any general recommendations or guidance or advice to, for example, it could be directed to me, it could be directed to anyone, because I'm about to start this career, right? In three short months, I'll be a quote-unquote doctor treating quote-unquote real patients and things like that.
1: In terms of choosing a career, the first thing is, Don't look at what you want your life to be like in five years. You have to look longer down the road. Um, And that can be hard, right? I mean, I know Allison at 22 was not Allison at 32. Mm -hmm. Her priorities were very different. But I'm still the same person, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think be honest with yourself. What what makes you happy now? And how can you make your life in 10, 20 years reflect that as opposed to focusing on the training time, right? Because training is, is transitory, you know, it will be longer or shorter depending on what you do, but that's like a defined moment and there is a lot of life afterwards. Mm-hmm. So I think step one is to sort of long game, think about who you are now <laughs> and reflect that for the long game. If I can say, picking a the right life partner makes a huge, huge difference. I mean, if you want a life partner, Mm -hmm. but if you're going to have a life partner, picking the right one, one who truly supports you for who you are and who you are excited to support, is very important. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel very lucky in that regard. Um, And you know, I think. How do you know
0: that? It's a very tough question.
1: Oh, how
0: how do you know they're going to be that person?
1: Well, do you you run them
0: through a test? You know. Uh
1: I wait right, so I mean I I I guess sort of ran my husband yeah. through a test by switching careers on him <laughs> while he was trying to get his PhD and we had twins.
0: Um And he passed.
1: Oh I mean flying, flying colors, colors, right. Good. You know, I think how did I know that early on? Right? This um we liked doing we liked and like doing similar things. That uh-huh. helps because when you have very little extra time yeah. to do th- you know that that's helpful. Not necessary but helpful. He was excited to mm-hmm. hear about the things that excited me. I was excited to hear about the things that excited him. I wanted to help him move forward in, you know, in terms of getting his PhD. When I told him I was thinking about surgery, he wasn't like, oh, no, I'm never going to see my wife. He was like, that's so cool. Like, tell me more, you know. Um, I think, you know, really listening to those conversations— mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I feel like early on, it's it's possible to tell if somebody is genuinely interested. Mm. Um, that's, that's that's a nice. that's a good sign. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah.
0: That's a I, that, yeah. That is a good sign. I
1: don't recommend switching careers while they're working on a PhD as the litmus as the test, test. and no. you know, throw some babies in there <laughs> right, just to, right. just
0: to, to just to make uh, sure they can do it up
1: the heat. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't recommend that. Um, and but in terms of of medicine, I think really embracing lifelong learning will be a benefit in any medical field, right? Whatever it is, we're all pushing boundaries. Um, We all want to increase the medical knowledge and to to embrace that, to make, make it part of your daily life will only, you know, serve you.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's really helpful. But books, are there any books in any way, shape or form that you think medical students or people in the healthcare field should read, and they don't have to read it, but maybe you'd give it to a gift to them and say, this is kind of a cool book to check out.
1: So, um, I mean, I think all the folks who write medical stuff for the New Yorker are excellent, yeah. right? It's Hul Gawande, Groupman, um oh my gosh, I'm forgetting his name, who wrote The Emperor of Maladies.
0: Oh, so I think I have that. That's um, right there. Um, it's, it's right there on the left, Muguchi? very left side, yeah. on the top left. Yeah. Um,
1: Uh, I
0: can't even read that. I'm so blind. Mukherjee. Mukherjee.
1: I mean, so all spectacular. Um, The first book that actually came to mind, and this is maybe unique for me, um, but, right, so my chemist father, uh, when I was in middle school, did a lot of work working on um, treatment for HIV, right? This was like early 90s, so still very infancy Mm. in terms of actually treating it. Um, And he gave weird gave to his you know 12 year old daughter and the band played on which okay. i don't know if you've read it
0: i have not read okay it.
1: so i'm recommending it to you i guess also <laughs> it's so it's it's written by a journalist okay. about the start of the aids epidemic um and i mean it's really a critique right and the band played on mean like business was usual mm. like there was a catastrophe happening and we didn't intervene. Mm. Um, so I think—
0: You were 12 when he gave this to you? Yeah, mm-hmm. this is
1: ridiculous. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or, right, he trusted me, yeah. and, and this was very meaningful yeah. to him and wanted to share that with me. I mean, it's it's a gut-wrenching story. You know, spoiler alert, the, the journalist ends up dying of AIDS, wow. of course. Um, but I think it's a hugely important story of the way medical, the medical profession and, honestly, government— can make a difference or yeah. can stand aside and and let things happen. Mm. And, you know, I want to be on the side that's working towards yeah. making a difference.
0: So what are some characteristics of physicians? So I mean, you encountered many physicians going out through training. Are there any characteristics or any things about them where you that you admire? Like, listen, Dr. XYZ does this in an amazing way. These are the things, these are the kind of person, the kind of doctor I want to be.
1: Um, am I supposed to call out specific you folks here? You don't have to. Here? You can. Okay. Because we're
0: complimenting them, so you can say okay. you can do whatever you want.
1: So I think um, being curious uh-huh. is number one Got for it. me, right? Be- especially because I think of medicine very much as not a... Um, like the book of medicine is not written yet right like there's oodles of blank pages yeah. at the age so if, at the end so if you're not curious you'll never find out what's actually written on those blank yeah. pages right so curiosity i think is number 1 um i think somebody who is completely comfortable admitting when they don't know something but coupled with the desire to learn that something mm-hmm. is inspirational yeah. to me right it makes it okay that I don't, well, you know, if if Dr. Taluk, who's like the goddess of pathology, if she occasionally has to look things up, yeah. then I guess it's reasonable
0: <laughs> that I too
1: have to, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so I, I think I find that inspirational. Mm-hmm. The folks who, because I know everybody does it, yeah. right? So the folks who will do that in public and admit mm. to that, right? Like for, for pathology, we didn't touch on this, but uh, to continue being certified, I have to take multiple choice questions every quarter and get at least 60% of every them. Every quarter?
0: Correct. That's is different than other specialties, correct. right?
1: Correct. It's, it's wonderful. So yeah. we used to have... You,
0: it's wonderful. <laughs> 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 the quality of the 10 version of you. I was <laughs> going
1: to... I think it's great for two reasons. Yeah. So it used to be every 10 years you had to go back down to Tampa and mm. get recertified. I'd much rather take 15 multiple choice questions every quarter than is go to... high stress t-
0: situation? These you 15 multiple yeah, choice? No. no okay. So
1: I, I you only have to get... I forget how many of them. It's, I, I almost always get all of them right. Like, they're yeah. super fair questions. I should know the answer to them. But importantly, it's open book.
0: Yeah. Oh. You have five
1: minutes per question mm-hmm. to use any resource you want mm. except another human being. Mm. So I think it's fantastic, yeah. right? It's like admitting that, of course, it's not all in your brain. You just need to know where to find it. So I, I don't know. I find that very inspirational. Um, and then in terms of... Other sort of leadership physicians, uh, the folks who raise others up with them. Obviously, those are the people you want to work with. Um, Right. I was very lucky. lucky, uh, Dr. Chan, who's the program director for pathology, very quickly when I came on faculty, she said, I'd like you to be our APD, um, which was sort of scary at the time, but she is wonderful at saying this great thing that happened, 95% of the efforts were Allison's. And that makes you want to work hard for people, right? When you get credit for your work. No, Um, it's
0: it's huge. It's huge. And being exposed, say I'm I'm, I'm the top of the class pathologist, like every place wants me. How do you like scout out programs and decide, you know, this is a, because you've, throughout this discussion, I've learned how important it is to have a good team, people that are going to build you up and help you learn and help you grow. How do you see that as an interviewing fourth-year medical student? How do you kind of scout that out? Are there any ways you can best kind of suss this?
1: So I would definitely encourage interviewees to ask um, when they get to interact with residents, why did you pick this place and would you pick it again? Mm. I think those are really important questions. Mm-hmm. I will say when I interview, I love when candidates ask me what um, characteristics will let someone succeed in your program. Mm-hmm. Um, that will at least, you know, if, if they say to you, someone who has drive among, you know, above anything else mm-hmm. or, or something like that, that's important information mm-hmm. to have. Yeah. If they say to you, Someone who can work well with others, that's also important, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So I think that could be a telling question. You know, it's hard because in an interview, people are going to only tell you so much, right? You know, I I think it's also reasonable to say, what do the residents do together, right? And if the answer is, uh... That's frightening.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I mean, in times of COVID, it's yeah. a little challenging. But now
0: people are hanging out together, I think. I think. So. Yeah, we're I so. I hope When is it? March.
1: Right. Yeah. right. We're in person. Yeah. I brought a mask, yes. but I'm not wearing yes. it. Um, I guess that, that could be another way to ask. You know, I think a telling thing about our program is how many residents stay When asked, right, um, I am far from the only faculty member who did my training here. Mm -hmm. It says a lot when you make the choice to continue on in your department. So you could say, do residents stay for fellowship? Do fellows stay on faculty? That tells you something. I don't know if it tells you collegiality, but it's it's a plus, I think. If the answer is no, never, that is a red flag. Everyone (laughs) leaves
0: as soon as they've done the get the hell out of here as soon as possible. No, that's really helpful. Do you have any closing words towards medical students that are considering pathology?
1: I think you're on the right track if you're considering pathology. (laughs) No, very realistically, if you uh, enjoy thinking, asking questions, working things through as opposed to memorizing things, if you enjoy a team atmosphere— come and spend some time with us and see how it feels, um, yep. right? Because if you don't search us out, unfortunately, you probably won't get the exposure. So it's it's the onus is on you, um, but we would love to have you, yeah. right? We would love to give you the opportunity to see how it feels. Yeah, yeah. To spend time with us. And
0: final question. Any closing words in general. This can be, again, about lifestyle. This can be about books. This can be about relationships. This can be about your career in medicine. It can be anything whatsoever. To any medical
1: student who's listening, right? Yeah. Like
0: Who you are is good enough. Yeah. Like, you
1: belong here. And so figure out what aspect of life here is going to make you you happiest Mm. right like think down the road not five years from now but longer term what do you love now and what do you hope to still have then whatever it is there's a place for that in medicine and if you try one thing and it's not the right thing that's okay continue to reach out talk to people right everyone in the medical field we want to help the medical students succeed and become the next generation in the medical field so Find a grown-up you can trust, start a conversation, and and you'll find the place where you belong.
0: Perfect. Great way to end. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Goldberg. I really appreciate you taking the time.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Thank you so much. Nice to meet you.